1: Phillips Lavin of the 1012 podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right, and it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin, as always. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. Yeah, no draft early this week. We will have a draft episode later this week. But we are going to actually talk about like football and things that are going on right now because it just seems as if you've got to do it. At some point, instead of just drafting random Big 12-related topics. Uh, so for today, Andy Mitts, my, my good friend and... and uh, repetitive cohort uh <laughs> is joining me uh he and i and uh, colton wood from the land grant like kind of the round table for that site yeah that site's kind of our our mothership uh discussing which teams we felt were going to be the most impacted by the lack of spring football big 12 teams specifically i don't care about the acc and the sec they're on their own um and i i found it an interesting conversation and i realized that everyone who listens to the pod doesn't visit the lgg or doesn't you know, the land grant gauntlet, and it's a conversation I want to just keep having. I just I'm just curious um, because doing that roundtable brought teams to my attention that I I hadn't I hadn't thought about, um, and and Andy and I will give our thoughts here in a few minutes. But we wanted to bring a, another guest on just just to kind of break this topic down. And so I'm very excited to have Riley Gates, our good friend, back on the show, but this time not a part of Go Power Cat. Riley now on the, the national news desk for 24-7, so uh, Riley is now big time, but is still taking time to come be on our lovely little podcast here. Riley, welcome back to the show, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys know that I wouldn't just bail on you like that. <laughs> big time. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it.
0: <laughs> Philip, does this now make him like the biggest guest to come on the podcast?
2: Um,
1: I mean, yeah, we could deal with that <laughs> for now. I'll go well, ahead and add was, that
0: one to the resume. I, mean, I have,
1: yeah, I got like like Matt. I've had Matt Brown on a couple times. Mm, true of uh, of SB Nation. Um, trying to think, I haven't had any like sitting coaches before. It's at
0: least arguable so. now at this point.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 No, it's arguable. Like, and uh, if that tells you the, the quality of guests that we bring on the show, it should, uh, because we like, no, no, no. I mean, that is a compliment. We like Riley. Now, now we can, uh, now we can brag even more about having him here. Uh, so Riley, Andy and I, of course will talk about our, our, let's say picks for which big 12 team is, is the most impacted by no spring ball Cause, and, and we've written about it, but I wanted, I wanted to get you first without our, our influence of our thoughts um, so for you, one one team, or if you've got a couple you thinks are kind of a 1A, 1B, who do you think are the teams who are, who are being hit the hardest by not having an opportunity to, to play this spring?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think that there's a a lot of ways you can look at this. You can look at it as, you know, the teams that were, were pretty bad last year, obviously needing time to, it, you know, further time to develop more. Um, you can look at teams that lost a lot of pieces and and say they need more time, you know, get the new guys in there, uh, acclimated system and things like that. Um, the first one that jumped to mind to me, I mean, honestly, I think I can make a case for you for all 10 teams in the conference. But I think the first one that came to my head right away was honestly uh, the University of Texas. And and that's one that people don't necessarily want to hear here. You know, they oh, woe is Texas. They have another challenge to overcome. I get it. But the the thought process here with Texas for me was, you know, Texas had a rather disappointing season last year, considering that they were supposed to be, uh, you know, flirting with the college football playoffs and things like that didn't go the way that they had hoped, but then they go into the the Alamo bowl there and they put on a really good, uh, really impressive performance. You're know, bringing Sam Ellinger back as a senior quarterback. I, I think that Texas is, you know, once again, I'm going to put myself out there maybe, but, but could once again be primed to potentially take that next step forward and um, I think that they really could have used spring football in order to, to launch board themselves at uh, maybe comp- uh, competing with Oklahoma. And so I think that's definitely a negative impact for the, a school like Texas. Uh, a school like West Virginia, too, also came to my mind because, you know, I think Neil Brown's a rather respected coach in the conference. Um, obviously, the five and seven was not what, what people wanted to see last year out of West Virginia, but you got to give them time to, to get into the system and, and to really kind of implement what he wants to do with the program. And so year two of the of Neil Brown could have been really, really good. Um, and now I think it's going to be impacted by the loss of spring football. So like I said, I think you can make a case for every team, but those are two that jumped out of my mind.
1: So, uh, Riley, Texas was mine. My pick, just to just to jump on with with them, and and I think your points are valid. Part of it being the expectations for Texas this year. Um, it's it, to me, it's a big year for Tom Herman. But throw in the fact that Herman has completely remade his coaching staff. There are very few holdovers from the years past. And I understand that you've kept the head coach. Um, I, I'll be blunt. I I don't have the the biggest amount of faith in Tom Herman as a Setting a culture um, based off of his personality and the way he seems to act, I don't care for him that way. Which, if that's your personality, I'm not sure how I feel about the kind of culture that you would be setting at a program. So you're bringing in a a whole new coaching staff, new OC, new DC, a lot of position players. I know they have a lot of players back, and I know they have a lot, have Sam Ellinger back, um, but not having an opportunity to actually work with the coaches. I understand you can do. Some Zoom meetings and some FaceTime and things of that nature, but not having time to work with them, get used to each other, get acclimated to each other on on the, the field, I think is a huge setback for a Texas program that piling on the expectations as well makes them just like, this is really tough for Tom Herman. And my opinion is, I don't know how much how much can he use this as an excuse if they win the season happens or if it happens, whatever that may be, if they go eight and five, they go eight and four in the regular season, maybe win a bowl game or something like that. Does, can he use this setback as a way to, to justify another year or are they just going to be like too bad? So sad. Look at all the players you had coming back.
2: Right. And that's the, that's the tough position that I think every athletic director in the country is going to be put into next year. Um, you know, and and especially if this continues to, to spread and impact other sports, you know, you've got basketball coaches left and right getting fired. I mean, Texas, again, with Shaka Smart right now, you know, okay, well, we lost the NCAA tournament. We lost the Big 12 tournament. Who's to say that if they would played that out, maybe Texas goes on a run here and then Shaka Smart, you know, gets the, the extra vote of confidence. Or on the other hand, who's to say Texas doesn't get embarrassed on, on Thursday of the Big 12 tournament um, and then gets fired right away. And so it, it's a – it's definitely a factor that I think is going to come into play with a lot of schools and that, that's what athletic directors have to decide is, am I going to allow this to be a viable excuse? You know, is it okay to say that this is an acceptable reason for, for, for um, struggling or, or are we just going to kind of try to continue business as usual? And I think we'll know the answers to that a little bit better. You know, once we figure out, Hey, are we going to have the season or not? Is it going to be played in the fall or not? Things like that. You know, once we get some clarity on this, Um, It'll be a lot easier to kind of set these expectations, but there's no, there's no question that everybody's going to be hurt um, to some extent on this. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my own personal, you know, wheelhouse of expertise, you know, with K state, for example, they're building off a very successful season, but they had to get an entirely new offensive line. I mean, all five starters are gone at Kansas state. um, So they had to get five new offensive linemen and now suddenly they don't get to practice in the spring. And so, spring football is a very valuable time for college football teams and i i think it really puts a lot of teams in a tough position if not every team you know even even the big schools the the ones that are going to go to the college football playoff year in and year out they still need the spring practices
1: so andy i want to let you chime in here obviously we both mentioned texas as, as i did on the on our round table but you had a different team that you picked as your kind of number one why don't you why don't you get into that here for a second
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, so looking at it, you know, the way I kind of approach this is that I, I think there's three main effects that it's going to have is um, in terms of, you know, installing offensive and defensive systems. So new coaches are going to be at a disadvantage um, losing key players and not having the practice time, the rep time. Um, and, and, you know, the more guys that you're missing at key positions. So like on the offensive line at quarterback, um, you know, some of those, some of those defensive secondary type positions, um, like those are those, are, I think, that are the three biggest things for me. So, you know, like returning any kind of production is obviously good. Um, but, you know, having key guys that were seniors and, and kind of the 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 younger guys that are coming in to replace them are obviously big, big natives. And the team that jumps to mind for me that has all three of those issues is actually the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, yes, Les Miles is back. You know, the the defensive coordinator is the same. And and Brent Dierman was on staff last year. But this was going to be his first real opportunity to install his system, um, you know, and kind of really work with people and, and honestly identify and mold a quarterback that does what he wants him to do. Um, you know, they're, they're losing Carter Stanley. They basically have six different quarterbacks that are on the roster at this point, And nobody really has any idea who is going to be the guy, you know, that that is going to take over there. And so I think that's what bumps Kansas up to me over over a team like Texas. Texas has a bunch of guys coming back, especially on the offense. Um, you know, and they have a, a senior quarterback in Sam Ellinger who is going to know how, you know, how to run this type of stuff, has that experience and well, some of the details may be different, you know, I, I still have to feel like the main systems that they're going to try to install are going to be very similar. Um, you know, I mean there's going to be a, a heavy hand from the head coach down at Texas, um, you're you know, that is going to kind of really push things along. We've actually seen at Kansas when when Les Miles was Heavily involved in the offense, it was not working very well, and Brent Deerman really kind of changed it up. And that's when they kind of saw any of the success, success that they had. So it's going to be extremely important for them in the spring to be able to install that offense, to identify a quarterback. They're missing people on the offensive line. You know, had had some guys graduate. Have to essentially redo the offensive line. You know, they're they're losing a bunch of key guys in in the secondary um, on defense. They're, you know, um, and so like they have a lot of stuff they have to replace, and it was going to be absolutely critical for them. Yes, they don't have the expectations, but to be honest, when I'm thinking about teams that are impacted, I don't know that the expectations for a particular team should really weigh into it. If we're thinking instead about teams, you know, you know, even the teams that not much is expected from them, this could set those sorts of teams back three or four years in terms of their development to get back to a respectable place. I mean, if you assume that it's a you know a four or five-year build for Kansas to get back to something respectable, assuming that everything goes perfect for less miles this this could set them back a couple uh, another couple of years could even you know make it so that he doesn't get anywhere close to where he's supposed to be before the contract runs out doesn't get renewed and they have to start all over again so i'm not i'm not you know envisioning that doom and gloom scenario especially if if we are actually able to get back to summer workouts or you know even by the time of camp coming around like if if they can have camp in some fashion um then maybe it's not going to be that big of a deal but they're going to lose a lot of valuable springtime. Um, the other team that really jumped out to me and was one that we had talked about in our round table was Baylor. You know, Baylor has a brand new coaching staff, um, you know, completely brand new coaching staff. And so there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to do. Um, but as, as, as Colton actually brought up, you know, Aranda the new coach there isn't necessarily known as being a development guy, which is what you're going to see most of the time in spring. Like that's going to be the big development period. Um, he's more of a take what he has and put, you know, put all the pieces together and come up with something that works. And so it's a little bit more flexible. I think in the short term, it's probably a little bit easier for someone like Baylor to, you know, overcome this disruption because you can go over a lot of the scheming on those meetings. The only thing you're really missing out on is reps in terms of running things. So, um, you know, Kansas was a, I think a, a fairly significant, the more I think about it, the more I think that Kansas is probably the the hardest hit. Um, but I think both Baylor and Texas are also going to be hit extremely hard in this as well.
2: Riley, any thoughts? No, I mean, I think those are, uh, I, I agree. Those are also other teams that popped in my head, more so KU than Baylor, um, probably because I, you know, tend to think in this area of the country a little bit more. But, uh, you know, at KU definitely is at a very pivotal time, the program's future, um, just with, with groom and future coaches. And, and yeah, I mean, I think they have the ability to take a step forward, but when you lose the when you lose the spring practice time, and you're a team like KU who is just desperate for anything to build off of. Man, you know it, it's really tough to continue to build, and and also for fan excitement. I mean, you know, spring game probably going to get fan, fans excited, but now you can't have that. So it's a it's just a really unfortunate time all around. I think. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Uh, Baylor makes a lot of sense. I agree with Baylor there, and I and I you know we we talked in the roundtable. I understand the Kansas points. I think that's that's big because I do think it is, you know. Do you want to balance looking at just this year or moving forward? Because the stuff with Tom Herman is, if there's no football season, I don't care how much money you have, no one's firing anybody because no one's going to want to pay any buyouts and pay a new head coach. So I I think that's a big deal. Even if we do have a football season and it's later, with schools looking at some pretty uncertain financial situations across the board, it's going to be hard to justify paying – somebody millions of dollars not to do their job and then having to pay someone else on top of that millions of dollars to come in and do the job instead so um i, I do think this whatever happens fall spring not at all is going to have an impact on whether or not coaches are let go or hired um, it's kind of why we saw you know shaka smart retained with with basketball it's quite we didn't see very many coaching changes except for a few smaller Mid-major schools in basketball, and I think that'll be the same case here with football. Unless someone just really wants to get rid of their head coach and can do it for cheap, um. So, so outside of those schools, you know, Riley, you made a good point that you you could see a case for for all ten schools because everybody's got something that they had had plans for in, in spring. You know, I I cover Oklahoma State pretty closely, and I can look at it and say you've got. Spencer Sanders, who's coming back from from thumb surgery and, and needs to progress. You know, there's some expectations for Oklahoma State to be able to compete for a Big Twelve title this year. Um, without adding a lot of major pieces, new pieces. Obviously they got a lot of things that come back with Shuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace. They're not adding a piece that makes you go, Oh, that that sets some of the top. So really what we're talking about here is progress. And without Spring Brawl, how much how much progress can Spencer Sanders make? Um, you have Talon Wallace, who's, who's still recovering from an ACL injury. How much, I don't know how much he would have done in the spring anyways, but that's still time for him to be with the team and, and continue to, to heal and be around his, his trainers, which I think makes a difference. Um, so if so you look at Oklahoma State, also no offensive coordinator, um, obviously, you know, I just went absolutely brain dead on the wide receiver Casey Dunn. Thank you, Casey Dunn. Wide receiver coach has been promoted to OC. He's a first-time OC. He may have been with the program for a while, but he's new to this position. New quarterback coach for for Spencer Sanders to to get used to with Tim Rattay. So when you look at Oklahoma State, there's a, there's an option there. Similar thing with Oklahoma, breaking in a new quarterback. I understand that that um, Spencer Rattler has been with the program for a full year. I mean, that's that's a nice thing to have, but it's still going to be his first year as the starter. He's not played meaningful minutes at Oklahoma, um, and while we all trust Lincoln Riley as a as a quarterback guru at this point, after what what he has done so far there in Norman, it's still nice, Bill, to have a spring um, where you're the guy, and that's a big thing I think with with Spencer Sanders as well. It's the first time for both guys to go into spring without a real com- without a competition, like they know they're the guy. Like we can we can say that oh, OU quote unquote quarterback competition because Lincoln Riley likes to say that stuff because it's coach speak and blah 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 blah, but for two guys who have not had a spring where they are the number one there's no one else really competing to take that from them It's it's big for them not to be able to have that
2: yeah definitely I mean I, I think um, Oklahoma was honestly probably going to be the one that I would say like they're the least least impacted mm-hmm. um but it's it's tough to say that you know hey we don't have a spring you're still not impact everybody is impacted clearly um the only reason I wanted to lean to Oklahoma if there was any team that could probably battle it off the best is because they have had so much change of position over the last few years um the quarterback position not being and and you know they they seem to pick it up and run with it I mean their offense I I don't the word system quarterback system receiver you know that I don't think that that's appropriate I don't think that that's um, showing enough respect to what Lincoln Riley does but I also think he's a good recruiter he gets the right guys into his system and once they get there they flourish so I, I mean look if they said hey no spring football we're going to start at practice in August we're going to play the season as usual I don't think Oklahoma I think of all the 10 teams in the conference Oklahoma would be the least impacted that's just my opinion
0: yeah I mean I see Lincoln Riley as similar I mean not you know, the parallels aren't exact, but um, in in terms of a guy, you know, at, at the college level that could pretty much plug anyone in and make a competent offense out of it, kind of in the way that Andy Reid does in Kansas City, uh, you know, for so long, Lincoln Riley can do that sort of thing. He's had multiple different types of quarterbacks at Oklahoma uh, and having a guy like Spencer Rattler be on campus and actually working <laughs> with the coach and, you know, them already having that kind of time. I think, you know, honestly, quarterback is the most important position on the field and having a competent quarterback who knows what they're planning to do and how they want to run it is a huge leg up on anyone else that is having to install a new quarterback and having to deal with new systems at this time. Oklahoma is the one that you feel the most rock solid about. And so it's hard to say, you know, that they come anywhere near um, being the most impacted by this just because I think they have a lot, all of the key pieces that you need, they have those there. And it's just about fine tuning at this point. Yes, this could potentially be the difference between them making a college football playoff and, and you know and actually going and having a good run, um, or may you know, not making a college football playoff at all and maybe even potentially losing the conference to a team like Oklahoma State if everything falls right for them. But I don't think that you're gonna be able to point back to this and say, Oh, well, they weren't prepared because we didn't have any spring ball. It's instead just going to be that, you know, there had to have probably have been some sort of break during the season, um, whatever kind of season that we have, that would cause them to switch of problems.
1: Yeah, I think those are good points. Okay, I want to I change direction here just for a second. I don't, I don't want this to go too long, but I had a thought as we were sitting here and, and talking. You know, we're talking about who's most impacted and, and part of that being expectations for 2020. Uh, uh, most people have probably seen by now, there's, a, there's some, uh, an interview or an Instagram post, I forget where it came out, but Chris Fowler talking about one of the, real possibilities for the college football season uh, because the idea of the season starting as normal is becoming less and less and less realistic, and it wasn't that realistic a couple weeks ago. Um, It's becoming less and less realistic, whether that means it starts on time, just starts late in the fall, is shortened, whatever that may be. But one of the scenarios is starting college football in February, and I don't want to get into how we all feel about that. I I care more about having college football than I care about when it's played, just so long as it happens. But that kind of leads me to my point of the 10 teams in the big 12 who and everyone is going to feel the impact if college football doesn't happen financially like everybody everybody is but set the the finances kind of aside for a second of the teams who which team do you think needs this 2020 season to happen the most um Riley why don't you start us off here
2: oh boy that's a that's a really tough question um you know, I, I think that, uh, I think you got to say to an extent, and I, my bias is probably going to show here, but I think K-State is one that definitely needs it just based on, you know, how bad this last basketball season was. Um, you know, I know the ticket sales dropped off massively, and, and the fact that the future um, of the basketball program is a little bit in question right now. You know, if, if you're if you're thinking, if you're trying to, you know, say, hey, we want a, a sound athletic program across the board you know you got to have you got to have all your teams competing somewhat and if basketball is sitting here you know year in and year out struggling oh every three four years they have a massive rebuild you need that steady to lean on k-state's program has always needed a steady football program to lean on and, and you know they have that right now they don't have the steady basketball program so if the basketball team continues to struggle and there's no football i mean it's just it's going to be a really long you know, full year process here, you know, if you date it back there, you go look forward to March. And if you didn't have football, I mean, it's going to be a really tough, really tough position. Um, but, you know, I, I think everybody's going to be like that. I mean, I could say the same for Iowa state. They, they had a pretty tough basketball season. They haven't been, you know, all that successful. Hey, maybe they can build off the momentum that Matt Campbell has it at Iowa state right now. I mean, for me, that's kind of the way I see it is those programs that just need football because that's where they get their, their excitement. That's where fans completely buy in. Those are the programs that jumped to my
0: mind right away. Yeah, I mean, you kind of stole my thunder with your secondary one there. I would have to say Iowa State. I realize that it's important for Kansas and and Kansas State as well. But, um, you know, in terms of consistent program, like Iowa State finally has a football program that's rebounded. And if we're just talking about the football season and we're not talking – I mean, like if, if we get into February and we haven't had a football season, it doesn't look like they're going to have one. I have a hard time imagining that the basketball season hasn't been completely canceled by that point as well and if we go an entire academic year with no sports with either of the two, two revenue producing sports in football and basketball there are going to be a lot of you know college programs that are going to have to shut down completely because i just don't know how a lot of these you know athletic programs are going to be able to handle the loss of all of that revenue with no real idea of when they're going to go and have it so in terms of if, if we're talking about an athletic program sort of sense it's obviously going to be important for everybody, but I think schools like Iowa State and Kansas State are probably going to struggle the most. Um, whereas, or, you know, even potentially any any program that is looking at um, large payments out to coaches that they've fired recently, I don't have those off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, I mean, even even a school like Kansas who's going through this whole David Beatty lawsuit thing, which is a completely different topic that's absolutely ridiculous we could talk about for, I, I could talk about that for 45 <laughs> minutes on its own. Um, but even those sorts of things like having to have those big payments coming out when you have so much economic uncertainty as it stands right now, it's going to be super important for everybody in the conference, but especially those smaller schools to get that kind of revenue and do something to salvage the season just so they can have that.
1: Yeah. I think Iowa state's a really good pick here. Um, I think, I think Texas is a solid one as far as football. Um, There's again, there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of, What you need to see from Tom Herman, and and if they have to take another year off with how last year went, how much harder, how much more pressure does that put on Herman in in a twenty twenty one season if this year's doesn't happen? Um, I would also point to Oklahoma State. I don't know. Let's just say, like like Riley, I'm kind of pointing to the things that I know the best. But you look at a football team where. After kind of two kind of down years for Gundy following three straight 10 win seasons, everything seems kind of set up for them this year. Chuba Hubbard comes back, Tylen Wallace comes back, Spencer Sanders showed some progress. You've got year three of, of your defensive coordinator. Um, you've got a lot of young defenders who are now in their junior and senior years. You brought in these individual grad transfer pieces to fill and plug holes. This is a big year for football for Oklahoma State from a standpoint of if if once this stuff's gone like you're looking at a 2021 and you look at across the board at the skill talent that will be gone if they don't get this season it could be a while before they build back up to this again i don't think osu is a 10 win three years in a row program at this point i just i don't i think there was a little bit of flukiness in that too um so this is a big year and you, you would feel really disappointed as an Oklahoma State fan if it doesn't happen. Same thing for basketball. After a couple of, of years where you're just waiting for Oklahoma State basketball to be good again, you look at the recruiting class they have coming in, the number one overall player in the class and Cade Cunningham, he's a one and done. If you don't get a basketball season, I mean, everything that that, that Boynton has been building recruit or has been building for this 2020, 2021 year. And if something happens and it it doesn't go or it's it's limited in some sort of way. Man, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, this is supposed to be a big sports year for your top two programs. Um, if those don't happen, how long is it going to be before you're in a situation like this where you're you're primed and excited and ready for two teams to to finally do something that that you're excited for and to wow you and then maybe you know it's that kind of just on the field stuff is is big. And I I think one other one I would be is you know we talk about programs that are that are building and trying to get there. If you're if you're Texas Tech. And, and and you look at last year and the injuries they dealt with, the quarterback issues they dealt with. Um, you basically were at your what like third string quarterback with Jet Duffy. Like a, he was he was not really the second option. You, Texas Tech needs and, and and Matt Wells was trying to build something there. Man, I would really hate for Texas Tech in a year where I think they can maybe hit six wins and get back to a bowl game and see progress start to be made. Um, I would hate for see Texas Tech not not to be able to get get a season going because man, if there's a fan base that could really use a nice uh, a nice winning season I, I th- in the Big Twelve outside of like Kansas, obviously, I think Texas Tech's one of them.
2: Yeah, most certainly, and you know it goes back to that um, you know second year of a new coach, just like K State, just like uh, Kansas, all those schools that hired new coaches, you know that year too. It's 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 pretty crucial to have it, but uh, you know it's it's looking really really a tough situation to be in regardless of of what plays out uh, coming ahead.
0: The other thing that kind of jumped out to me, and we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but in terms of recruiting, because it's going to affect recruiting, but if we don't have any season at all, um, you know, they've already kind of had all of the the information about the spring sports, you know, for this year where their season got canceled and changing scholarship limits and doing all of this additional stuff to give them another year of eligibility. Um, you have to imagine they're going to do similar sorts of things, you know, for, for everybody, you know, in, in the football and basketball sport, like in the the fall and the winter sports. Um, But how do you account then for scholarship limits there? Are you going to have uneven increases in scholarships? You're going to have, you know, because, because every, every team is going to have completely different situations in terms of seniors uh, who are on their last year of eligibility here, but nobody got to play, Um, you know, who's actually going to stay, who wants to leave. There's just going to be so much roster turnover that I don't know why it's going to be very simple to sort out. And there's a lot of unknowns in terms of how that would affect people and how the and how the NCAA you know decides to deal with all of that. Um, are you going to have you know essentially two full classes of people that are now classified as freshmen and moving up together? How do you adjust scholarship limits you know when that cycle happens? Because if you know if the rule is you can give out 25 scholarships a year. You end up having a 50-year, you know, a 50-person freshman class that then all leaves. Then a lot of schools that take advantage of that, if they're not planning properly, are going to have a huge scholarship deficit. And it's going to be because of the pandemic, you know, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle all of that. So, I mean, I think if we get to the point where there is no football season this year and there is no basketball season in the year coming up, there's going to be not only the, the economic questions to worry about, but there's also going to be the roster questions. They're going to be, you know, how do you handle all of these sorts of things? Um, and, of course, a lot of that's also going to depend on, you know, whether they even have classes, like how big of a disruption this ends up being. I think there's just a lot more questions of what we can actually answer. Um, but if there is no season, I think there's ripples throughout everything and all of the sports that's really going to cause a lot of havoc for everybody.
1: If there's no football, it's just. I think we all understand by now. If there is no football, sports will be cut. Um, there will be schools that shut down Olympic sports programs because if, um, you can find this stuff anywhere. Football makes money. Most Power Five basketball, men's basketball teams make money. Outside of that, there are very, very few programs. And I don't just mean like sports. I mean individual programs at individual schools that make money outside of. Football and men's basketball—they just—they just aren't. Um, I think UConn women's basketball. I think a couple of SCC baseball programs. That's about it. So, um, football is the it drives the financial bus. Universities need the football uh, to come back and play. But we got to, be to figure out how to do it safely, and I don't think anyone has a good answer for that right now. So, hate having to end this on a down note. So let's do this, Riley. As we mentioned <laughs> early, uh, you have moved up. From Go Cat. no shot at Go Cat. We love that site, and uh, our, our, our we have another good friend who makes it co- constant appearances on the show, uh, who has now kind of taken your place there. Uh, but uh, you are now on the the main news desk for twenty four seven. How's the how's the new job going so far? And uh, just kind of how did this how did this come about?
2: Uh yeah, it's uh it's going really well. Um, I think it's about to start my. By- third week I think third or fourth week here and uh you know it kind of it helps that I was already in the 24-7 system so you know I could kind of hit the ground running I didn't have to learn technical aspects of it and everything but uh it's going well I uh, I guess I just I I think I was just kind of maybe thinking about making a move at some point um wasn't necessarily looking to get out of go Paracat. I mean it's definitely the place that I kind of owe everything to you know they kind of got me got me started on everything got my foot in the door other places and uh you know, just kind of got contacted by by somebody uh, up the ladder at the national desk, and, and they said that they, you know, they were looking to expand the desk, and and the, I was the, one of the names that had popped up on the list, and so I learned a quick little bit about the desk, and it definitely seemed like something I wanted to do. So took it, been running with it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, just because it keeps me on my toes. You know, it's. Uh, it's it's just kind of getting getting the word out on everything that's going on you know literally anything that happens in sports anything that uh, is said about sports get that comment out there make it into a story and and then everybody else is able to kind of you know read about it. literally like I said everything that's going on um, wake up eight hours a day and, and you're constantly just searching for news and uh, you would think that right now in this time of no sports it would be tough to come by things but um, I really haven't noticed a a real struggle in terms of coming up with topics, and so, you know, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the the summer unfolds here for us, um, just because of of the uncertainty of sports. But I, I'm really excited to uh, to to be in this position, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to grow a lot, and uh, yeah, who knows? It's it's just really fun to kind of be always on your toes and, and not always know what you're writing about, but you kind of figure it out as you go. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Well, congratulations again to you, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, now that you're big time, uh, again, taking some time to, to join our little, little podcast here. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and, and look forward to doing it again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. Podcast Network.